the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. This is Ron Garrett with End Time Insights. This is our second show. We're all excited. We appreciate what God's doing here. And we welcome you. This is a weekly Sunday evening, 8 p.m. show on KKHD. And we're excited to be doing this. This is our first time on radio. And we're talking to you about End Time Insights. Today's show is going to be discussing the Christian in today's America, living in America. And you need to know where we are in God's timeline, the prophetic timeline. And what we try to do in all of our classes, we try to teach the body of Christ how to walk in the spirit, how to see things spiritually. It's so important. We could get all wrapped up in looking at events and current events and what's happening in the news and what's taking place in our city, our state, our nation. And we could look at those things through carnal eyes and we would be disappointed And yet, if we know what the Bible has to say, we'll have insight. And the Bible talks about the fact that the righteous understand all things. I'm not worrying. I'm not wondering what's going on. I know what's going on. It's been written beforehand. We just got done with a study in our Bible study on the book of Daniel. And it was so awesome. You know, Daniel takes a lot of criticism as a accurate biblical book because of the fact that the prophecies that were written concerning the history of the governments over there was so precise. It was so accurate. And people say, well, nobody could have known that. And so they cast aspersions on the book of Daniel when in the fact it was just God. It's prophecy is what? It's history written before it takes place. And that's what that, especially chapter 11, I believe it is, that's what that references. So today I want to get into the lesson. We're going to start off, uh, let's see, the scripture I want to begin with, I think I've got so many here. But just quickly, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I'm not going to go through all 18 of the descriptions of end-time uh, mankind's behavior, but I do want to focus on one or two of them. It's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I read out of the King James. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. Four men shall be lovers of their own selves. They will be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I'm just going to read those two verses. And I want to focus on the fact that in these last days, and especially here in America, where we have such a covetous society, where we have such an affluent society, it's so easy to get trapped in the biggest car, the biggest home, the best job, the prettiest dress, the brand new digital equipment. We just get stuck on that. It's thrown at us every day. If you watch TV, even if you listen to the radio, you're going to get sold. You're going to get sold something. We're here today to not sell you anything, but to freely give you the word of God and to prepare you for what's going on in these last days. 
This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. This know also. That's a very strong phrase there. And if you keep it in its context in the original Greek, what they're doing is this is Paul grabbing Timothy by the collars, by the lapels and shaking him and saying, Timothy, you got to know this. This is important. There's a stern voice of correction. There's passion coming from Paul. Timothy, you must know this. In the last days, there'll be perilous times here. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And that's what I want to focus on briefly. We're living in an end-time America where men and women, children, boys and girls, whoever, they're in love with themselves. And it is no more prevalent than on Facebook. What is it? Selfies, right? People put out there their entire life. They're doing things and there is no privacy anymore. They're telling you what they're wearing, what they're eating. I'm at the latest show. We went to this concert the other day. We're going to whatever, Cabo next month. I mean, their business is out there because they are enamored with themselves. It's contradictory to the Bible where we live a life for others. We talk about the fact that phrases shall be lovers of selves. The Greek is phil, P-H-I-L, autos, A-U-T-O-S, It comes from two Greek words, phil, phileo, it's a type of love, and the last word is autos, meaning self. It's a self-love. It's men kissing men, men in love with themselves, men talking about themselves. You know, we talk about the things that we love. I mean, that's obvious. You know, you got a brand new mom. She's going to talk about her child. A guy's got a promotion at the job. He's going to be sharing that information. Somebody's an athlete. They're playing golf all the time. They talk about golf. You can just listen to somebody and find out what they love. Hopefully, when I'm speaking, you're finding out that I'm loving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm loving the Bible. I'm loving the Word of God. That's what it should be. We talk about the things we love. And it's even gotten into the church. We distort fasting. You know, fasting, if you read Isaiah 58, you get God's plan, you get God's understanding, God's insight, God's encouragement to the Jewish nation. And he says, this is the fast that I've chosen for you. It's to undo the heavy burdens. It's to break every yoke. It's to let the oppressed go free, that you provide shelter to the poor when they're being cast out, that you clothe the naked, that you be ministers to your family. And this is what God's talking about. When we fast, lots of times we say, well, I'm going to lose weight or Uh, I want to draw closer to God, which is admirable. But at the end of the day, our fast needs to be for others. If I ever do this to do it about me, whether I gain something or not, should not be the goal. Okay, if I'm fasting for others, I may be fasting for my president. God knows President Trump needs prayers and fasting. And if I'm setting my time aside, that's fine. And if I am giving up my lunch hour to say I'm going to spend 20 minutes, I don't get an hour, I get 20 minutes. If I'm giving up my lunch hour to pray and fast for President Trump, I need to be doing that. I need to be interceding. I am not doing things that are distracting from that. I am doing this to intercede on behalf of the president in accordance with the scripture that prayers need to be made for all kings and all those who are in authority. And it's important that I stay the course. Now, I may get blessed. I may draw closer to God. Yesterday, we we intercede in our church group at West Houston Christian Center. We have a time of prayer before we do it. We have an intercessory prayer group. And I was there, and I just prayed in tongues for the entire time. And I know that there is a benefit for me. The Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but speaks mysteries, hidden truths unto God. He that prayeth in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So I know there was a benefit for me, but that was not my goal. That's not what I was seeking. I was seeking the growth of the church. I was seeking a visitation from the Holy Spirit of God to come into our house yesterday. So it's important that we remain 
true to the Bible and we do what we're doing for others. This self-love is destroying the church. We see it everywhere we go. I'm a big athlete. I love athletics. I love football, sports, baseball, all that good stuff. And I watch, let's say I'm watching a basketball game and they do the interviews after. These people, they're exalting themselves. Yeah, man, I'm the best. And yeah, well, we did this. Sometimes they'll give God glory. I can't wait till we start seeing our athletes give God glory when they lose a game. But that's another topic for another day. So man kisses man. This know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own self. They will be covetous men. They will be boasters. They will be proud, blasphemers. They'll be disobedient to parents. They will be unthankful and unholy. And we've seen this. We just came through the holiday Thanksgiving, which, by the way, it's not a what day. It's a who day. We're not thankful for the things that we've gotten. According to the original Thanksgiving, we are thankful to someone. We are thankful to God. But the Bible says the behavior, the environment in which we live in America in these last days is going to be one where men and women are unthankful. And when you are unthankful, you lose the humility that's supposed to be going with our Christianity. You know, we wake up every day. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. We need to have hearts full of gratitude and humility. We are thankful to the Lord that we woke up today. Uh, We are thankful to the Lord for our families. But at the end of the day, we are thankful to someone. The what is just a symptom, as it were, of our thankfulness. Unholy. There's a great scripture. I think it's in Matthew. Remember when Jesus was dealing with demons, he was casting them out, and it was an instance where the demons were talking back to him. And they said, have you come to torment us before our time, Jesus? And they said, we know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And I love that because there's such great revelation in that. They knew who Jesus was, not by his power, not by his authority, not by the fact that he was graced with the favor of God. They knew Jesus because they recognized him as being holy, Man, what does that tell us today? You want the power of God? You know, you want the demons to tremble at your presence. You want them to obey you when you propitiate the promises of God and you cast out demons when you take authority in the realm of the spirit over demon forces. You want to be known and recognized because you're holy. That's when you're going to see the power of God manifested in your life. Holiness. And we've gotten away from that today, but that's part of the end time criticism of the church in America, that we're following pagan doctrines, we're following pagan ideas, we're creating whole new doctrines within the church that are conformable, not to the word of God, but to the will of man. Let me read this quickly. Rick Renner, uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers, he has a church in Russia, and he's great. What he does, he goes to the original Greek, especially, or the Hebrew meaning, and he gets such great insight, and then he shares it. But he wrote this about new paganism in our society, and truthfully, it's not new paganism. It's the same paganism, but it's new to us here in 2020 America. And he wrote this, in the beginning of the church age, Christians were labeled extremists because we believed in one God, while the pagan world believed that there were many gods, and we see this today. Christians were considered a menace to society, and we're getting back there again. They're outlawing the Bible. Canada's doing all sorts of strange stuff. They're just outlawing anything biblical. They outlawed the Bible as a hate book in their schools. We've already outlawed the teaching of the Bible in many of our college campuses. Back to Rick Renner. Christians were called intolerant, and yet they were the ones, the pagans, who were intolerant. Pressure was placed on Christians to modify their message and to become more accepting of others' beliefs in the spirit of unity. And that's a violation of God's word. And understand this, when we don't get in trouble 
for promoting the name of Jesus, for blessing the name of Jesus. We get in trouble when we tell the pagan world in America. We get in trouble when we tell our culture, when the church speaks out. We get in trouble when we say Jesus is the only way. They'll let us get away. The pagan world will let us get away. The secular, the left, they will let us get away with saying Jesus, but we can't say he's exclusive. We can't say that is the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the persecution's going to go. If you just talk about God is love and Jesus, you got to know Jesus and everything, that's fine. But as soon as you say Jesus is the only way, when you copy and when you quote the words of Jesus, there's no other way to get to heaven to know God but through Jesus Christ. That's where we get in trouble. And that's what the pagan society is pressing against. Pluralism or pagan inclusiveness contends that you must have a broader view, a wider way to God than just what the Bible says. Let me read Matthew seven thirteen fourteen to you. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in that way, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. In another scripture, it talks about that, enter ye in at the straight gate, strive to enter in, strive. That Greek word for strive is agonismo. And we get our American word, our English word, agonize for it. That's the effort that it's going to take to get into that narrow way. Few there be that find it. Broad is the way to destruction. If the church will not combat what we're seeing take place in America in the prominence of pagan doctrine, abortion, that's a pagan doctrine. That's a pagan practice. Can you believe we're actually going into the mother's womb to destroy a life? And, you know, God is the author of life. Jesus came. I said that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We are doing such things that are abhorrent to God. And the Bible talks about that God hates six things, yea, seven things are an abomination to him. One of those are those that are swift, that run swiftly to shed innocent blood. God hates those doctors who are committing abortion. I'm sorry. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible says that God hates all workers of iniquity. We've got to get this straight to see how God looks at the things that we're doing in this pagan society. The only answer to combating these is the word of God, is the name of Jesus Christ. You know, there's only one thing that God ever exalts above his name. There's only one thing that God considers to be more higher than his name, than the name of Jesus, and that's the word of God. The Bible says he exalts his word above his name. You know, we have got to have that same attitude here. The world needs to hear what we have. America 2020 Today's America is dying. We have left off the preaching of the word of God. And when we do that, we create a void. And guess who runs in to fill that void? That's right. It's the devil. He runs right in with his humanistic doctrines. He's got his minions all set to go. You know, this self-love that has taken us away from the living for others that Christ commanded us to, that's going back to Satan. I call it uh, Luciferian knowledge, Luciferian doctrine. Let me see if I've got it here. I wrote you, the scripture was in, it was in the Old Testament. I think it was in Isaiah. And it just talks about where Satan is saying, I will exalt myself like the most high. And he places himself up there. It's all about him. Here it is. Satan knows Christ can't be defeated. So Satan deludes people into believing that Christianity is just one piece in the puzzle. So this produces a diverse mix of beliefs, which are all equal and they're all acceptable, resulting in a society where people no longer feel the need to repent and the all-important conviction of the Holy Spirit is done away with. This is part of the hyper-grace message. This is the new modern church that we're seeing in our nation today. And it's the same spirit where Satan said, I will exalt myself. 
I will be like the Most High God. We've done that ourselves, and that's right out of the book of Romans. Jesus inspired the Holy Spirit to write this in the book of Romans way before it ever happened, and I'm going to start in Romans chapter 1. I just really love Romans chapter 1. It's a great, great chapter. It's talking about thankless mankind. It talks about end-kind behavior, last day's behavior on the part of man. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to pick up with verses 18 through 22. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Basically, that phrase holds the truth in unrighteousness. That means our society, our culture is suppressing the truth. They are covering it. They are holding it back and they are not allowing you to see it. Verse 19, because those things which may be known of God are made known in them. In who? Mankind, those who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is made known in them, for God hath shown it unto him. Do you hear what this this scripture is saying? It says those that are holding the truth, suppressing the truth, they know who God is, because it says right there, because that which may be known of God. Now, there are things in our lives that God has not revealed to us, but there are things that God requires us to know about him. He has saw fit to make sure that there are things which he is known by. And then it tells you that there's two of them. It says God's shown it to them, but there's two of the things that we're supposed to know about God. And that's found in verse 20. For the invisible things of him, the things we can't see with the carnal eyes, because the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Huh? What's clearly seen? The invisible things. I don't understand. He's talking about the things that you can see spiritually, not carnally. And then he tells you what two of those are. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, and they're being understood by the things that are made, even his one eternal power, and two, the Godhead so that mankind is without excuse. What he's saying right there is there are things that you can't see currently, but I have revealed to you in the realm of the Spirit. They are supposed to be understood by the creation, by the things that are made. And they are, my power is evident. That's what he's saying. My power is evident and my authority is evident. I am the creator of the universe. I have shown that to you in the order of the earth. You know, God is a God of order. And that scripture in John three sixteen, we say it all day, and yet we really don't understand what it means. We misquote it. We misapply it. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, the Greek word there is cosmos. And what that translates to is for God so loved the creation of the orderly arrangement of everything that he made. That means God loves the fact that he created the planets and the solar system. He created the earth. He placed the earth right there where it would receive the warmth and the sun and the light from the sun. He loves the fact that he created seed time and harvest that all seed produces after its own kind. He loved the fact that he created animals. He loves the fact that day follows night and night follows day. He loves the fact that there's change of seasons in our nations. You know, he loves mankind. That's included in his orderly creation. And he loves the fact that within this beautifully, perfectly created earth, he placed mankind. He loves that. That's his divine order. Now, because of man, that divine order has been thrown askew. That divine order has been subjugated by sin. And so everything is out of order. And sin has created disorder in the world. And we can see it in any topic. I mean, it's it's so obvious. 
And you look at America today and you can see the, the sin and the depravity. We are the leading exporter of pornography in the world. We've killed 60 million babies in the womb. We are a covetous society. We are a violent society. We're a filthy, decadent society. And this is what we're facing. And this is because of sin. The world is thrown out of order. How does today's Christian then live in this world? You know, it's a great question. And you have to go to the scriptures to get the answer. But if you read the book and you know what God says about living holy, you know, without his holiness, none shall see God. If you understand the Bible commands us to love one another. That doesn't mean love the world. That means love those within the body. God sees, actually, there's three groups of people that God sees in the earth. He sees the church or the Christian. He sees the Jew. And then he sees what's called the goyim or those, the pagan world. And there's three different groups of people that God sees us as. In in my view, I just see the church and I see the non-Christian. And the Jew goes there. And so it's a different set of, how can I say it? There's different results, different aspects of how the world impacts the church. For instance, the church is impacted by sin, no problem. We have a direct line to God the Father. We plead the blood of Jesus. We confess our sins. We repent. And we're washed. Whereas the world doesn't know that yet. And that's why it's our job to make sure that they understand that because they're stuck in their sin. And if we don't do anything about it, then we're going to be held accountable by the fact that we didn't tell them. There is a way out for the world. I cannot tell you how imminent the return of Jesus Christ is. He could come any day. or Everything's set in motion. We have the opportunity to go ahead and tell them and rescue them. You know, Operation Rescue, we use that to say it's rescuing the unborn, and that's nice. But the true Operation Rescue is to rescue the sinner from hell. Jesus doesn't save us from hell. He saves us from our sin. And if we do not go out there and do the bidding of the Lord and letting him know, look, this world is falling apart. It's fast-tracking hell. No, I don't think it's going to get turned around. You know, the tribulation, you can pray all day. You are not going to do away with the tribulation. The tribulation is God's seven-year judgment upon the nation of Israel for rejecting him. And it's also the judgment upon the ungodly nations, those nations that have persecuted Israel. That's coming. No amount of intercession will change that. It is going to be a terrible time on the earth. We're going to lose a quarter of the population in one pop. We're going to lose another third of the population in another catastrophe. This is what's going on. And believe it or not, this is the God of love. What did you say, Ron? This is the God of love. He judges us because he loves us. We do it with our children, you know. You know, dad yelled at me, mom yelled at me. I was living for the devil. I was doing things that were wrong. They punished me. They deprived me of certain things. They warned me. And at the end of the day, it worked. But that was love. But we've got a view of God today that's off base. We don't understand that a lot of the things that are happening in the earth today are because we've disobeyed God. You know, God loves us so much. He gave us the word of God. The Bible says God speaks to us today through the word, through Jesus Christ. And so he tries to correct us. He tries to warn us about things that are happening because he knows that they're going to bring destruction upon our lives. On a national scale, we see it. God warns us through the word of God. We don't pay attention to that or the preachers in our churches don't preach the word of God. Then we continue down the road to destruction. What does he do? He'll send a prophet. 
He'll send someone like David Wilkerson, Jonathan Kahn, and they'll speak specifically about from the spirit of God to warn America, you need killing these children. You No, you can't pass gay marriage as a godly uh, way of living in our court. You can't do that. And if we ignore that, then we fall under the hand of God where we have remedial judgments. And these things take place, and it's the job of the church to make the connection. The problem is you see us fast-tracking toward darkness because the church is not warning the body of Christ. The church is not letting us know that this is abortion will kill you. Divorce is wrong. Homosexuality is going to fast-track you to death. People that live that lifestyle, they live half their lives, and they never fulfill their destiny. We need to tell them this, but not because we judge them to condemn them, but because we love them. We judge them to correct them. And America is lacking the truth that only the church has. We're going to pick up on this uh, next time we meet. We are trying to set the scene for you in this whole coming year. We are preparing you for living in 2020 in America. It's going to be a perilous time indeed. And only the church has the ability to point us to the door out to the place of rescue. And that's only found in Christ Jesus. So tune in. Uh, my name is Ron Geyer. These are End Time Insights. Uh, you can contact us via email at gospelguy at comcast.net. That's G-O-S-P-E-L-G-U-Y at comcast.net. You can uh, give us a call if you need prayer, if you have any questions or comments. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we're not soliciting money. We're going to pay for this. We're going to fund it. No big deal. And uh, we just appreciate you listening. So let me pray with you guys. Before I go, I want you to have a great week. Read your Bibles. You must read your Bible. Father God, I thank you. I pray that you put a supernatural hunger in the listeners of this show to read their Bible, that they would desire the sincere milk of the Word, Father God, that they would grow. Place in them not only a hunger for reading the Word, but for doing the Word, Father God. I pray a blessing on them. I call them born again, full of the Holy Ghost of God. In Jesus' name, amen.